Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church, let me bring you up to speed this morning about where we left off. If you recall, our Jesus, okay, Jesus Christ had just died, okay? That's kind of where we left off. He died, guys, one of the most excruciating, painful deaths on a Roman cross. Now, what I want to do and what I'm attempting to do is try to paint a picture for you. I want you to kind of put yourself there. There's my Jesus. Now, we got to remember right before he died, okay? Right before he died, remember he was sentenced to be scourged. And you go, what is scourging? Well, if you recall, scourging, guys, is where they took a cat of nine tails and it's got these leather strips with some bone and some glass and some metal piece. And remember, they whipped the Lord, again, 39 times. They ripped his flesh off exposing the muscle and the nerves and everything else. And it was just like, it was, it was just so, you can just see it. And, and as a matter of fact, the one thing that I didn't wrap around my mind when they scourged the Lord is I saw a, I saw a little clip of the Passion of the Christ movie and, and Jesus was hooked on the praetorium. And as they, as they came across with the cattle, Jesus began to convulse. Well, in the movie, his hands and, and I just never thought of that. I never thought my Jesus and there he is and he's shaking and, and his body's going into shock. And, and that's what they did. And 39, whack, and, and it came up. And, and then if you recall, they did that to punish him. And then Pilate, if you recall, brought him out of the praetorium. And what he does is he does something unbelievable. He pronounces him not guilty. At that point, everybody should have gone home and Jesus should have continued with his ministry. But, but the crowd, the crowd guys yelled, crucify him, crucify him. Can you imagine? Could you imagine there you are and, and you can just hear the crowd yelling, kill him, kill him. We don't even know what he's done. We've only heard some stuff and you're just going to join in. Kill him. I don't know what he's done. And, and that's what they do. Pilate said, not guilty. And we're saying, kill him. Kill him. They don't even know what he's done. You see, and then they put a purple robe that was no longer purple because you understand the blood had already soaked through. And this purple robe is now red. They don't show us that in the movies. But we could imagine that in our hearts. And there he stood. And we could see, guys, that they had a crown of thorns shoved in his head. And it wasn't enough that his beard was pulled out or that he was hit or he was spat upon. His eyes were laser focused going to the cross. He knew his mission. His mission was to die for you and for me. Oh, and if that wasn't enough, if you recall, they made him carry a hundred pound crossbeam down the streets of the Via Della Rosa. The same people yelling, crucify him, were on the side of the roads, probably, come on, go crucify him. The same people as he got on his way to Calvary. And when he got to Calvary, they placed the crossbeam on the pole and they crucified Jesus. And in your mind, if you would just take a moment and picture the scene, there he is with his arms stretched out as far as they could go. A nail in each wrist so that, so that he could not, he could not get down. And we left off, guys, where Jesus, where he hung on the cross, if you recall, from 9 in the morning to 3 p.m. 
In our culture, we call it Good Friday. It wasn't anything but good, was it? Oh, it's good for us, but it was Good Friday. And then, our Jesus, he died. Two of his last statements before he took his final breath was in John chapter 19, verse 30, where he said, it is finished. Now, I want you to see what he didn't say. He didn't say, I am finished. He says, it is finished. And according to Luke chapter 23 and 46, the last thing Jesus says was, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And if you recall, in your mind, that was the day that God died. And there's Jesus on the cross, dead. And so they want to bury him as soon as possible. If you recall, and you've been walking with us, it's the Sabbath day. And not only is the Sabbath coming, but it's the first day of unleavened bread. And so the Bible tells us that they took the body of Jesus, bound it in strips of linen with spices, as the custom of the Jews was to bury. So it's the Sabbath day, and you go, what's the Sabbath day? Remember, the Sabbath day started at what time? At 6 p.m. It went 24 hours to Saturday night at 6 p.m. So they could do no work. They couldn't put spices. They couldn't prepare the body. So all they had was from 3 o'clock when Jesus died to ask for the body of Jesus to take him down off the cross and to lay him in a tomb very quickly because the Sabbath was approaching. The Sabbath was approaching. And so they laid him in the tomb and waited for Sunday morning. You go, Pastor, why Sunday morning? Well, if you recall, they couldn't go back Saturday night at 6 o'clock because it was dark. There were no street lights. The tomb was going to be covered. So they had to come back on the first day of the week. Now, here's the thing. Israel still celebrates Sunday as the first day of the week. For you and I, Monday is the first day of the week, right? Our tour guide in Israel, if you recall, our tour guide always said that only in Israel is, only in Israel is the place where you get the mon- Monday morning blues on Sunday because Sunday is the first day of the week. Can you imagine? You and I are already thinking tomorrow, oh, boy, we got to go to work. <laughs> Monday morning, it's Monday. They would do this on Sunday. And so that's what they're waiting for, to come early to the tomb on Sunday morning. And that's where we pick up our story, guys. Look at John chapter 20, verse 1. It says, now, the first day of the week, on the first day of the week, what day is that, church? Sunday. Sunday. You guys got it, right? So you know. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now, you recall Mary Magdalene and another Mary, if you recall, they were there. They were making sure everything was good. On Friday night, they didn't help with the body. They just wanted to make sure because they knew they were going to come back, right? They were going to come back on Sunday morning and finish doing this. They were making sure that everything was good. And Mary is going to come early morning to honor the Lord's body with spices and strips of linen. We know that she didn't help Joseph or Nicodemus put the body in the tomb, but she was there to help later on. I think at times, Mary and the disciples didn't quite understand what Jesus was saying. Her mindset is simply this. I need to get to the tomb early because I've got to wrap the body. I've got to prepare it so that it could be in the tomb for about a year. 
Once it decomposes, then we can take the bones and we can bury them. That's the Jewish mindset. But what I don't understand is Jesus kept telling them, I'm going to die. I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to come back to life. Do you understand that? And they have that look like, yeah, but not really. Why is that, church? Because sometimes our actions speak louder than our words. We can nod and go, you ever do that? I get it, right? The funniest part is when somebody tells you a joke and you don't get it, but you laugh. Because you don't want anybody to think you don't get it. Did you get it? Yeah. And, and I think that's Mary. That's Mary. And, and they're going, hey, okay, the disciples. I think the disciples would have been at the tomb for a whole different reason if they truly understood the promise of God. They would have been waiting. They would have been outside just like, let's cook some breakfast. He's coming back. He's coming back. But they didn't get it, guys. They didn't get it. And so what happens is she goes and she navigates her way early in the morning, right? She gets there and the stone is rolled away, which freaks her out. And her reaction is panic. Notice in verse 2, then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away our Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they laid him. And Peter, what does Peter do? He went out. And the other disciple, this is the one whom Jesus loved, we're going to the tomb. Guess what they do? They both run together, right? So they both ran together. Notice John. And the other disciple outran Peter, and he came to the tomb first. And stooping in, he looked in, saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him. He went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head lying there with linen cloths and he folded together in a place by itself. Can you imagine your attention, please? This is interesting. Why? Because Mary comes in. She's already going to do what she's going to do. She wants to anoint the body of Jesus. She wants to get it ready for long-term burial. She sees the stone rolled away. She does. And she runs and gets the disciples. Who does she get? She gets Peter and John. Now, John's not mentioned, but he often says the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, here's what I find interesting. In the Gospel of John, he never gives us a whole lot of details about anything. But one thing I found is he gave us a detail about how fast he could run. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) He's like, yeah, we both ran. I won. Right? Now, he didn't go in. And I find it interesting. I'm like, I just love John. I just love John. But but here's what I think. Here's what I think. And so, so Peter comes in. He's like, yeah, I beat Peter. No problem. Here's what I love. Think about this, guys. John stops at the tomb and he looks in and he begins to contemplate. He begins to process things and he waits. Don't you love Peter? Because Peter's a flyby. He just comes bolting in. Peter's like, get out of the way. I'm going in. And I love that. Why? Because here's what I'm thinking. Here's some great applicational point, guys. Think about this in your spiritual walk. There are times I want to be a John. Can I get an amen? amen? And there are times I want to be a Peter. You go, what do you mean? There are times in our spiritual walks, guys, as we navigate through life that we need to stop and we need to contemplate and we need to weigh out all the options before we go in, before we take that step. Are you guys tracking with me? 
It was just the other day, I was talking to Santos and we had this dialogue and Santos was like, listen, I know I, I'm just, Pastor, I'm struggling because I, I just don't know what to do. Sometimes with God, I feel like I'm just deaf and I'm, I'm blind and I need him to go. And I'm going, that's the John spirit. You understand that? He's not just jumping into anything. He's going, oh, Lord, please guide me. And I love that. And I think in certain situations in our life, we need to stop, we need to pray, we need to get counsel, and then we can take the next step. But there are times when we got to be a Peter. And Peter gives call. He's just, I'm going in. And he just goes in. And I want that spirit. I don't want to be so cautious that I miss what God has for me. I don't want to be, what if Peter would have came to the tomb? He's like, oh, what do you see, John? Okay, I don't know. He goes in, he wants to make sure for himself. And I think when it comes to the things of God, listen to me, I think when it comes to the promises of God, we need to jump all the way in. We had to jump all the way in. What if, I don't, why? Peter had the assurance. Peter had the assurance, man, that, that, that again, this is who God is. And I want to see. And I want to see. He runs right in. And I love that. Why? Because I want to jump out sometimes in faith, knowing that God's going to catch me. Oh, yeah, there's times. Okay, okay, let's think this through. What do you think? What do you think? Okay, well, let's talk about it. Let's pray. Let me just pray. God, I'm going to get Let's pray. But there are times it's like, are you kidding me? I'm in. I'm in. Why? Because it means people will come to Jesus. I'm in. I'm in. Because I want to see God do incredible works in people's lives. I'm in. I'm in. Let's go. Let's go. So that's what we see. Great applicational point. But look at verse 8. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also. So now they're both in. Notice what it says. And he saw, what did he see? He saw that nobody was there and he believed. And he believed. Well, what happens, Pastor Ben? For they did not know the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Wait, what? Jesus spent his whole ministry going, guys, I'm going to die. And I'm going to rise again. You with me? And they're like, mm-hmm. Right? But the Bible just said they didn't really get it. They didn't really get it. It's like when you agree to do something your wife asked you to do when you really fully didn't understand what she was asking you to do or were you paying attention? Well, honey, I told you to do that. What? Huh? That's what they're doing, right? But think about it. I want to show you something here. So what do the disciples do? The disciples went away again to their homes. Here's a key word. John uses it throughout the gospel. You guys ready? It says, they both went in and they believed. They believed. Something changed in their heart. Something changed in their heart. Now, as I read the scripture and and I was going through, I love the way that God uses different things in our lives. Like last night I was sitting at home and I was watching the Ten Commandments. How many of you ever seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston? You ever seen him, right? Some of us have seen him like 80 times. I think I've seen it, right? So I'm seeing that, right? And I'm watching the Ten Commandments. And, you know, it's Cecil, Cecil B. DeMille kind of had, a, there was a little love interest with Nefertiti and all that with Moses, right? And so they, they were, liked each other at the beginning. And, but here's what happens. He finds out he's Hebrew, but he still likes Nefertiti, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, Ramses finds out and says, uh-uh, I'm not going to kill you. Because he says, I want no phantom to come between us in the night. Right? He says that, and he sends Moses away. You guys with me? So Moses goes, what does he do? He, he meets his wonderful wife, right? He's, he's hanging out. Here's the one thing I didn't, that really hit me last night. 
who did Moses marry? Help me out. Who? And she was the daughter of a, a Midianite, right? And so that was Ishmael's kid. I thought, wow, how God inter. Anyway, I just thought that was amazing. God had intermixed that. You know, Pastor, what's your point? We don't have all day. Okay, here's my point. Moses sees the burning bush, and he goes up, and he sees God face to face. Do you guys remember when he came down? His face shined. His life was changed. When he goes here, and and the Lord's speaking to me like volumes. I'm watching this. I've seen it a thousand times. I'm walking back. Do you guys remember what happened? He goes back to Pharaoh. He says, let my people go. You guys know the whole story. But Nefetiri takes him and says, Moses, you still love me. Come on, Moses, where have you been? And you know what Moses does? Moses has a different walk now. He's not even entertaining that anymore. He says, I'm changed. I've met God face to face and my life has meaning and it has purpose. And she's like, but don't you love me, Moses, right? They have that little love spin. And he says, no, as a matter of fact, he says, he says, I'm committed to the God that I've seen. Nefertiti, don't you see I've committed to a God that I've seen? He says, and to a people I need to, I need to be used by. And he says, to a little shepherd girl. And she's holding on to him like, please, please, please. And he's like, no. Why? Because, guys, they believed. Their lives were changed. And here's my hope is that we could be a Moses in the sense that, that when we finally believe that, that everything that we are can be changed and we have a, we have a central focus to the Lord. That's what's going on here. Everyone who's met Jesus for real, guys, has had a true life transformation. It wasn't that Moses came back and was like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be doing this for God. I've met him face to face. But, hey, you've been looking good. You've been working out. He didn't do anything like that. He says, I, I'm not that person anymore. That's the thing that got me. I'm not that person anymore. I've met God face to face, and I've changed And he begins to walk. And that's what the disciples do. They came in and the Bible says they looked and they believed and they went home. They went home. They went home with belief. Why? Because we know at this point, guys, that Jesus is alive. Amen? Jesus is alive. Now, we know this. He hasn't ascended to the Father, but we know he's come back from the grave. We know he's come back from the grave. So here's the thing. What caused Moses What caused Moses to have the faith to go, no, that's not me anymore. He saw God face to face. Not literally, because remember, you can't look on God and live, but you guys get the point. What caused the disciples to have the faith to go home? Because listen, if I didn't have the faith, I'd be looking for the body. Who took the body? Where's Joe? No, this is going to ruin everything. But they go home. Something had to happen. Can I tell you what it is? They believed in the resurrection. They believed it. They had, guys, in order to activate that faith in the power, we must first believe in the resurrection. Like, let me, let me just say it like this. For you to really believe the whole Bible, you really got to believe Genesis 1-1. Don't you agree? If you can believe for God created the heavens and the earth, you can believe anything else. But if you don't have that belief, everything else is going to just... But think about it, to activate, activate our faith in who we are and what we do. Listen to me. We have to believe in the resurrection. Here's what I want to do. 
Let me give you a couple of verses, guys, about his proclamation to the glorious resurrection. He told Mary back in John chapter 11, and he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen to what he says. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he looks at her and says, do you believe this? That's key. Guys, do you believe this? Do you believe he's the resurrection? And do you believe, though you might die, you're going to live forever? Amen. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Can I get an amen? He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. So he's told us. He's told us he's going to resurrect. So what do we do? Every time, every year, springtime, sometimes in March, sometimes in April, we come together and we celebrate what we call the resurrection of Jesus. A day where the whole world celebrates. And some people will celebrate today with family dinner. Some people will gather around and say, man, we're going to have a great dinner. Some people have brunch. Others might celebrate with an Easter egg hunt. Others might celebrate with taking pictures with the bunny. Others will often go to church. But here's my thought. All that is great. Have fun with your dinner and your Easter egg hunt. Have fun with all of that. Enjoy family. But here's my thought. What happens tomorrow? What happens tomorrow? You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what you mean. Can we be honest? After today, we celebrate, right? We have a good time. We get together. We love. We hug on people. Man, it's glorious. But tomorrow, we go back to doing the same things we've always done. Okay? Most people are going to go back to the same life they've always had. But for the believer, for you and I, guys, we need to walk different. We need to walk in the world with resurrection power with the power of the resurrection. Now, I know you're looking at me like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Okay? Yeah, I want you to write this down, okay? Write it somewhere in your Bible. Write it in notes. But here's what I want you to say. I am no longer a victim, but a victor. That's what the resurrection means to you. You're no longer a victim, but you're a victor. Here's what I want you to put. I win. I win. You are victorious. That's what the resurrection means to you. The problem is, okay, well, Ben, why is there always a problem? There's always a problem because the prince of this world wants to come and put you back in your place in a defeated walk. That's what he wants to do. But here's what I want you to say. He can't. He's powerless. He's powerless. Guys, last week we had the most amazing baptismal service right here in church. And I can tell you, we have most of the people here who got baptized. It was glorious. But I can tell you the enemy wants to come in and go, no, let me tell you who you were. Let me tell you what you've done. Let me tell you how you've messed up. And your whole week has all been who you were. But I'm telling you, you're not a victim. You're a victor. I'm telling you, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. And so my question to you is if we are victors, if we are victorious, how are we going to handle that attack? 
Are we going to react or are we going to respond? You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what we mean. Well, write this down. Guys, we're not going to react. We're going to respond. What do you mean? We don't play defense. We play offense. You with me? Guys, you are not meant to go back. You are meant to go forward. You understand that? You're meant to move forward. Why? Because you have resurrection power. You have resurrection power. Now listen to me, okay? Listen. If you're going to change your world, you're going to make your mark, then what you need to decide is one thing today. You go, what's that? You need to decide that you'll have no fear. No fear. What do you mean? Well, I found this great quote. I didn't write it, but I love it. Now, you can jot this down. It's amazing. But listen, here's what it goes. Quote, if you're not ready to be critiqued, you're not ready to be a leader. If you're not ready to have some haters, you're not ready to change your world. If you're not walking in resurrection power, you're not ready to change the world. Think about it, guys. Think about it. We have to have no fear. People are going to critique us. People are going to hate. I mean, they just are. And that's why we have to get in our hearts now. We must be fearless about the hope of God. About the hope of God. Now, I get this. You might be here this morning and saying, Pastor, I don't feel powerful. Here's what I want you to remember. Remember, it's not about feelings. It's about faith. It's about faith in your heart. And we're going to say goodbye to John for today, but turn over to Romans chapter 8, okay? One verse that should change your life. One verse that should change your life. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Give me an amen if you're there. Paul writing to the Romans, notice what he says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Did you catch that? This is what Paul is writing to the Roman church. This is what he's writing to you and me. What did he just say? He said, first of all, if the spirit of the Father, the spirit, the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells and lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead also gives life to you. That's the resurrection power. It's life. It's life. And the one thing we need to get to right, in, right in off the bat is because Jesus lives in us, the old man, which is our body, is dead. But the spirit lives and reigns, and he will live out his salvation even through our mortal bodies through the resurrection. Paul tells us this. Not only are we in Christ, listen to me, but Christ is in you. Do you realize that? Here's the thing. We'll say, hey, come and pray this prayer. And, 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 and people get all excited and they might pray a prayer, but that doesn't mean that Jesus is living inside you. You have to be born again. But once you understand that the God who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside you, you have resurrection power. You have that resurrection power. The problem is, as a lot of us, we don't understand that. And so what happens is we go out tomorrow and we still live our defeated lives. We can't seem to get anywhere in our spiritual life. 
And our spiritual life suffers and we can't get anywhere in our physical life and we're so struggling. And what happens is that struggle leads away to depression. That struggle leads away to emptiness. That struggle leads away to all kinds of things. And so we have to understand this. We have to understand this. Most of us believe, listen to me, that Jesus has incredible power. Amen? Amen. Isn't he strong? He can do anything. But Romans 8, 11 says, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. In you. Did you catch that? The greatest person in the universe lives inside of you. Wow, this should be a powerful and it should be a life-changing truth. And it should teach us how to walk in resurrection power every single day. You go, for what, Ben? Listen, resurrection power, guys, it's the power to overcome obstacles. It's the power for you to outlast opposition. It's the power for us to walk in victory. You see, that's really what it's about, church. Your place in heaven is secure. Can I get an amen? Amen. But your life in here, is it victorious? Do you have the victory? Do you have the resurrection power? You see, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, and he gives me the power to play offense, not defense. Well, Ben, listen, listen, all that's fine and great and amen and rah-rah, but really, how does, it, how does it work in my life? Well, the resurrection power, you can jot this down, guys, is it gives you power to overcome your bitterness. Overcome your bitterness. The resurrection power, it gives you power to overcome your insecurities. And it seems like a lot of us are that way. And it gives us power, guys, to overcome our fears and our self-doubts. See, I think a lot of people in the world, guys, and a lot of people in the church, they struggle with bitterness and insecurity and fears and self-doubts. The Scripture tells us, and I think we miss it, we go, what do you mean? The disciples missed the fact that Jesus was going to resurrect. They just missed it. And I think at times we can read this and we can miss what it means for us. And I'll sit here and I'll say, Amanda, you have resurrection power. Josh, you have resurrection power. And she'll go, amen, amen. And then we miss it. And so, and so we've got to go, okay, so help me, Ben, help me. It's, I have resurrection power. Well, what does it mean? Well, do you realize that the first thing it means is that when the, when the enemy looks at your life in resurrection power, it reminds them of this day 2,000 years ago when he was defeated. Do you realize, I mean, if you guys are saying, Pastor, you don't understand, it's been crazy. I've had, I've had multiple spiritual attacks. It's been awful. You know why? Because you, because you represent everything he's not. You represent on this glorious day how he was defeated because you're walking with Christ inside you. And you go, okay, so that's why he hates me? That's exactly why. And so you're looking at it, and you're like, oh, okay, okay, I get it. 
But also, the Bible tells me this. How many of you heard that the Bible says that our God is a consuming fire? You go, yes. You realize that that fire lives inside you. You're going, yes, I get it. But think about this. Have you ever thought about fire? You're like, yeah. If God is a consuming fire and he lives in me, wouldn't that just burn everything? Me? No, no, no. Jot this down. Listen, he never burns what you are, only what you're not. He never burns what you are, only what you're not. And the fire inside you burns brighter than the fire around you. Imagine your life tomorrow at work. If you went in with resurrection power and the fire of God burning in your heart. Not because you want to show off and not because you're like, hey, look at me, fire. But you walk in and you're just smiling and you're just loving people and and they can't bring you down. And you're just like, man, what, what is wrong with you? And don't you see? Jesus lives inside me. I don't have to live in bondage anymore. I'm not going to be trapped by this world. I'm that's no, no. And so what we do, guys, is we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. And we celebrate the fact that he has resurrection power in our lives. But can I be honest with you? Most, most of us still have a hard time understanding what that resurrection power means in everyday life. Like, like you were tracking with me up until the point where you're like, yeah, overcome obstacles. I'm with you, Ben, consuming fire. But you might secretly look over to your friend or your spouse and go, I don't really don't know what that means for me tomorrow. Can I give you some points? Can I give you some points real quick? And I want you to jot this down, okay? If you're taking note, resurrection, the resurrected Christ today, he is alive. Here's what it means to you. You ready? It means freedom. It means freedom. Now, you're looking at me, you go, freedom from what? Help me. Everybody say that. Freedom from what? Try it again. Jesus, who died for our sins and was buried, rose again on the third day. He's alive right now, and he's wanting wanting you to experience freedom. Another question you might ask me is, Ben, what do I need to be freed from? You ready? The resurrection power frees you. It gives you the freedom from emptiness. Emptiness is the first thing. You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Listen, if you're feeling empty, you're not alone. Well, Pastor, you're not preaching to the world. You're preaching to the church. That's my point exactly. Because here's what we do. Here's what we do. We We put on the smile and we come and we say, God bless you. How are you? Hallelujah. Amen. But sometimes there's a lot of us who are struggling with emptiness in our heart. And you go, Ben, how how did I get this emptiness? To be honest with you, there's a lot of reasons. You might feel empty because because there might be something missing in your life. You see, we all grow up with what, guys? We all grow up with ideals. This is what I should have. This is where I should be. This is where it all... And and when it doesn't happen, we, we, we just start to feel empty. God, I just don't feel... How you doing? Bless you. Amen. And, and again, think about it, guys. Many people feel empty, maybe, maybe because they have some deep false belief regarding why they feel empty. Listen, statistically, statistically, people who struggle with depression, they report guys feeling empty, not sad. 
if you're struggling with depression, it's like, how you doing? I'm sad. No, it's not sad. You're going feeling empty. This kind of empty feeling comes with not caring about much, not being interested in things, not feeling fueled by anything in particular. And that's, that's statistically. There's a lot of people. And what I want to tell you today is the resurrection power in you guys is going to free you from that feeling of emptiness. Why? Because if you understand the resurrection power, he's going to come in and he's going to give you purpose in life. He's going to give you true hope. He's not going to allow you to put on a facade. He's going to say, this is who you are. The second thing he does, guys, the resurrection power, the second thing he does, guys, think about it. He's going to free us from guilt, from guilt. Some of us go, I'm not, I'm not empty. I feel good. But we, we struggle with guilt. You go, well, Ben, what is guilt exactly? Well, guilt can be described as a bothered conscience or a feeling of culpability for offenses. What do you mean? We often feel guilty when we, re- when we feel responsible for an action that we regret. Knowing that what we have done in life, we will one day have to give an account. Guilt is bad. We don't know how to reconcile it. So what a lot of people try to do to appease the guilt is they'll try to make up for it in some way. I'm going to work for God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give my money away. I've got to, I've got to make up for my guilt. See, because I've did some things. Am I, it just me or all of us? We've all did some things that we're like, oh, I feel guilty about that. I, I regret ever doing that. And I don't think there's a one of us in this room that doesn't want to go back in time and fix something. Right? We go, oh, man, if I could just go back, I would change this and this. But here's the problem. If you say, I would go back to high school and start over, well, you feel guilty because then you might not be with the one that you're sitting with here today. And so you're like, oh, well, what would I do? Would I go back and would I fix this? And so you feel guilty. And, and here's the point. The resurrection power, guys, if you understand it as he lives inside of you, he takes that guilt and he says, you're no longer guilty. You don't have to even worry about that. It's the most beautiful, beautiful thing. Jesus removes all of that guilt. You understand that when he was on the cross and you're sitting there going, I've messed up my life in a lot of ways that I don't even, that y'all don't even know. He's taken that guilt and and we've put it on the cross. Wow. I love the fact that those in Christ are not going to face the shame and the guilt. Don't you love the fact that when you see Jesus face to face, he's not going to go, hey, remember not back in 1996? Remember back in 2005? I saw what you did. He's not. He's going to say, wow, well done, that good and faithful servant. Come on in. The devil will come and go, hey, what did you do? You remember what you did? You messed up bad. And Jesus says, I don't know what you're talking about. Because he's taken on that guilt. What does the resurrection power mean? Number three, check this out. It's freedom from the bondage of unforgiveness. Freedom from the bondage of unforgiveness. Jesus actually addressed the issue of unforgiveness. And here's what he said, quote, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, Matthew chapter 6. 
In one sense, God forgives us of our sins as we forgive others of their sins toward us. But Jesus brings up the top again immediately after the prayer. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, our heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you what? If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. And so you go, wow. When someone offends us, we feel like they're trespassing in our rights. And we feel like they owe us. To forgive them would mean to release them from that debt. And we would remember that the word forgiveness has the word give in the middle of it. This means that forgiveness is a gift and never deserved, right? Why is that important? Because you go, they don't deserve it. No, they don't. But I realize that some of us in this room have been hurt by somebody so bad that you go, I don't know if I could forgive them. For me to forgive them opens up a huge wound in my heart. But what I'm telling you guys is that the bondage that you're in is far worse than you actually taking the steps to learning to forgive. That's what the resurrection power does. But you know what else it does? Number four, it gives us freedom from pain. Physical pain and emotional pain. Physical pain and emotional pain. That's what it does. I mean, think about it, guys. Think about it. Here's what the Lord told us, right? Here's what the Lord told us in Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. That's physical. When I go pray for somebody in the hospital that's physically, I will pray that prayer. Lord, physically, you said we could ask for healing. And I know there's a lot of us who struggle with physical pain. And we wonder why God hasn't done anything. Some of us have to go through that pain. But let me say this. There's probably a lot more of us who suffer emotional pain. Emotional pain of our upbringing, emotional pain of our, of our teen years, emotional pain of the things that we did or didn't do. And God is here to forgive you and, send, and give you freedom from that what? From that emotional pain. The problem is, is we go, well, I'm not sure why I have to go through this. I'm not sure why I have to suffer with this physical pain or this emotional pain. Well, let me give you a quote that I think will help you. I found it from this pastor and he said this, quote, the purpose behind the suffering you're going through is to push you into a new freedom from a false definition of who you are. Let me say it again. The purpose behind your suffering that you're going through is to push you into a new freedom from the false definition of who you are. End quote. Guys, What the Lord wants to do, guys, is he wants us to be authentic, real believers because we're so good at putting on masks. We're so good at putting on masks. You go, what do you mean? Nobody, is this the real you? Because we come in and we say, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm doing wonderful. How are you, brother? Good, good, good. Bring it in. Give me a high five. And we do this, but sometimes emotionally, guys, we are... We're a mess. We're a mess. And that's the whole point. The freedom gives us the resur- the, the resurrection gives us the power for the freedom to go, okay, Lord, I just need to be me. I just need to be me. And somebody says, How you doing? You go, man, 
it's been a rough week, but I'm, I'm all right. I struggled this week. I blew it this week. You do that enough and people go, I mean, again, think, just be who you are. You don't have to be the opposite. Oh, woe is me. I'm just saying be you. If you're having a great day, man, praise the Lord. You're having a great day. God is good. But be careful with masks. Be careful with facades. That's what the Lord wants to set us free from. Number five, the resurrection power today, guys. What if it gives us freedom from alcohol, anger, anxiety? See, these are physical things that keep us in bondage. And what I want to tell you this, I want to tell you something right here. I want to share with you Satan's greatest lie. Okay, the one he still uses today. If you go back in your mind to Genesis chapter 3, do you remember he was talking to Eve? Do you remember who was talking to Eve? Snake. Does that ever blow your mind? I'll tell you what blows my mind even more, that Eve was talking to a snake. Okay, I've talked to a lot of things. I've talked to myself a lot. Now, don't call me a snake, okay? I'm just saying. But I've never talked to a snake. I've talked to our dog, right? But do you remember what the... Do you remember what the serpent said? Do you remember the greatest lie? He uses that today. Remember? God said, listen, don't eat of the fruit, or you shall surely die. And what did he say? You won't die. And here's the greatest lie that the devil tells you today. You ready? There's no consequences to sin. There's no consequences to sin. Go ahead and do what you want to do. But I believe today, guys, if you're trapped in alcohol abuse, maybe anger, maybe you have the gift of anxiety or worry. I know, I'm telling you, the same Jesus, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in you, and I believe that he truly wants to heal you from that. The Word of God tells us in Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, speaking of Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good things to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. God wants to set you free. The problem is, is that nobody knows that you're in bondage but Him. Number six. Freedom from loneliness. The resurrection power wants to give us freedom from loneliness. You go, what do you mean, Pastor Ben? I realize that loneliness is very painful. Very painful. Without a doubt, guys, it was the most frequently mentioned experience of loneliness. Words that have been used to describe this type of pain include hurt, sorrow, ache, sadness, depression, I'm torn up, bleeding, and broken. There can be somebody here today that's in a room full of people day in and day out and still be very lonely. And I would imagine if that's you today, you can cry yourself to sleep and nobody ever sees. But God wants to free you from that. He doesn't want you to be lonely. He doesn't want you to be lonely, guys. 
A lot of people kind of put that loneliness on the back burner there. They kind of go, oh, that's nothing. You know, people are lonely all the time. It's just part of life. But I believe that that loneliness can be almost, if not more, more disastrous than even cancer. And I'll tell you why. Because loneliness causes us to make bad choices. Loneliness causes us to do things we would never even think of. Loneliness will cause us to be with somebody we would never even be with. And my Jesus says you have resurrection power so you don't have to be lonely anymore. Last one, last one. The resurrection power gives us freedom from fear. What do I fear, Pastor? Many of us in this room fear dying. We don't, we're afraid to die. Well, Ben, you're talking about the world, right? You're talking about those who don't know Jesus. Oh, no, those who don't know Jesus are very, they don't like to talk about it either. And as a matter of fact, if it's not even on the radar, they won't bring it up. But let me tell you this, there's a lot of believers who are what? who are afraid to die too. And the reason they're afraid to die, guys, the reason they're afraid to die is because they have already convinced themselves that what they have done or have not what they have done or haven't done for Jesus is going to play into where they're going to spend eternity. But God says, "No, no, no. I want to I want I want to I want you to have freedom from that fear." You guys realize that when God takes away that fear of dying, that's only when you begin to live. The only way you truly live is when God takes away that fear of dying. When you know, man, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. So let's close our Bible study with this, guys. The resurrection power means freedom from emptiness, from guilt, from the bondage of unforgiveness, from the pain, physical and emotional pain, from alcohol, anger, anxiety, drugs, whatever it might be, he's going to free us from that. He's going to free us from loneliness, and he's going to free us from fear. But I want to close with this story. Because Jesus is alive, a story is told of an African Muslim who became a Christian His friends emphatically asked, why have you become a Christian? And he answered, well, it's like this. Suppose you're going down a road and suddenly the road forked in two directions and you didn't know which way to go. There at the fork were two men. One was dead, one was alive. Who would you ask which way to go? The one who was alive, right? That's the point. Jesus is alive. So the question is this morning, what now? What now? My prayer is that each one of us would have a brand new life-changing experience today. And tomorrow we would walk in resurrection power. And that you, you'd be a different person. And you can honestly say, man, the loneliness is gone. The emptiness is gone. Man, I am, 
I am, wow. I'm not afraid. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to trust Jesus. See, maybe you're here this morning. And maybe as I was preaching and you were writing this stuff down, you're going, yeah, you were tracking with me, resurrection, amen. Maybe this morning the Holy Spirit began to move in your heart. And he's so loving and so gentle and he began to knock and he said, you know, maybe today is the day that you should surrender to Jesus. All your life, you might have thought that God was mad at you. Let me tell you this, God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he brought you and he followed you all the way to church and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Listen, you're not just random. You're here for a reason. And you're here for a reason to hear this message that God loves you very, very much. And he wants you to spend eternity with him. But you have to take that step. If I can have two more minutes of your time, here's what a lot of people do, church. We've put our faith and trust in our religious upbringing. We say, well, this is how my mom and dad taught me. It can't be wrong. But Jesus says, don't put your faith in that. Put your faith in me. Open up your heart and invite me inside. Well, pastor, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? I, I feel like I'm a million miles away from God. I feel like, like, you know what? You were talking about loneliness and emptiness and fear. And I'm going, God, that's me. I don't even know what to do. Well, I'm telling you, here's the good news. You might feel like you're a million miles away from God, but you're one decision away from coming him today. You're one decision of saying, listen, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going, to get, I'm going to ask him to come in, and I want that resurrection power. How does he do that? When you give your life to Jesus, he's going to come in your heart, and you're going to have that power. But you have to make that step. You go, what's that step? Well, listen, from the sound of my voice, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get right with God. Well, how? What do I need to do, Pastor? Listen, in a moment, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. That's what we want to start. We're going to start with prayer. God's going to move in your heart. If God is moving in your heart and you know where you are with God, then all you have to do is say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus. I don't want the roller coaster ride anymore. I want Jesus in my heart. And we're going to give you an opportunity to introduce you to Jesus. It's only between you and the Lord. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for this Resurrection Sunday. Thank you, God, that, that, Lord, we can even learn practically. What now? What does it mean? Oh, you give us freedom. It means freedom. I want to be free. And, Lord, even today, you brought many people here today, Lord, because you actually want to set them free. with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would hear God's voice and say, Pastor, I think that's me. I want you to pray for me because I want to get right with God. I want to have a real relationship with him. I want to be saved, Lord. I, I, I want to go to heaven. I know I have issues. I know I have some things, but, 
but I need to take care of this first. I need to take care of my salvation first. I need to give my life to Jesus. If that's you this morning, will you just lift up your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want him to come into my heart. Would you just lift up your hand right now? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. To my left, I see you. Anyone else? God bless you in the back. God bless you in the front over here. God bless you. This is your day. This is your day. Anyone else want to say, I want Jesus? It's not about joining a church. We don't even have membership, man. It's about you giving your heart to God. Anyone else? This is between you and the Lord. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Those of you who raised their hands, can I ask you to do something incredibly brave? You go, what, pastor? My Jesus said that if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. If you'll deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. So the brave thing I'm going to ask you to do is because if you're really serious about this and you don't care what man thinks, you just want God to see your heart. Could I ask you to get up out of your seat and come stand right here so we can applaud you? We can, we can, and I can lead you in a prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of either rededication or a brand new, a brand new prayer into God's family. Would you do that for me? If you're here, you lift up your hand, get up out of your seat, come stand right here. We'll applaud you because this is the best decision in your life. Amen. 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 Come on, church. Come on, church. Amen. 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 You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that there's a party in heaven when one person repents. You guys are creating a party in heaven. We want to be part of that party. Hey, is there anyone else that needs to be up here? You're up here going, man, I, I don't know. I need, to, I, need to, I need to lift up my hand. I need to come forward. Would you do that right now? If God is speaking to you, you come. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Anyone else? I'm sorry we're so late. We'll get you out of here in just a minute. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Now, I need to tell you this. Listen to me. Prayers, words alone aren't sufficient to save, okay? Because you could pray this all day long. This has to be what the Bible says, being born from above. But this is your first step to going, I acknowledge Jesus. I believe in him. And I want him to forgive me my sins and come into my life. I want him to change me. I want to be like Moses. I want to be different. I want to be that man that God has called me and that woman that God has called me to be. And that's what you're going to pray. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just repeat it out loud, and then we'll, we'll get you on your way, okay? If you don't have a Bible, we do. Um, man, we have some Bibles for you, and, and we want to get you on your way, okay? So out loud, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. I've messed up, Lord. I'm guilty. 
I'm lonely. I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day and are sitting praying for me. So I'm asking you now, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. And be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus. For forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Now, hold on, hold on. You see Santos back there? He's got some Bibles right there. If you'll just make your way down this aisle, he just wants to pray with you guys. Nathalie, if you can go back there too. Just, he just wants to pray with you, get your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, he's got one for you, okay? So just go right there. See Santos? Right behind you. Make your way. Give him a hand, y'all. Make your hand. Go right that way. He's going to give you a Bible. Amen. Amen. Just go over there. He's going to follow you. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.